All good episodes come with a price! Welcome to Storybroke! Miserably Ever After! We're your hosts, I'm Mads. And I'm your other pretty friend, Elaine. Aw, today we're going to be talking about episode four. The Price of Gold, also known as This Is Why You Read the Terms and Conditions. Oh god, yeah. This is, uh, we'll get into it in just a second, but this episode, I feel, like I said at the intro, um, this is the price we pay for last week's really strong episode. Ooh, last week was so, so good. Last week's episode was so, so good. And then there was this episode. <laughs> this episode was, uh, you know, the best part about doing a podcast is getting to watch each episode more than once. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. that was definitely a treat. I only watched this one twice. I only watched this one twice as well. Uh, I really want to pick up the DVD of this whole thing just or the blu-ray so we can get the director's commentary because i just i need to know what was happening with this one this this is the first real instance of one of the biggest problems i had with this show which was the blending of different classic fairy tales into one to suit their needs yes and this is a big part of why i have problems with the show because this episode is Riddled with continuity errors. So, let before we get in too much to that, here's the basic plot. Once upon a time, a sad, cinder-covered girl swept the cobblestone courtyard while her stepmother and stepsisters clambered into a carriage to head to the royal ball. As she lamented her station in life, her fairy godmother appears to change her life. Unfortunately, her efforts are cut short when Rumpelstiltskin explodes her to steal her wand. Cinderella begs him to help her escape her wretched life, and he explains to her that all magic comes with a price. In return for the dress and shoes and glamour she needs to go to the ball and change her life, she'll owe him a favor. He presents her with a contract which she signs without reading. Her dreams come true. She marries the prince and discovers that the price is not jewels or treasure. It's her firstborn child. After discovering her pregnancy, she and her husband make plans to modify the bargain with Rumpelstiltskin in order to capture him magically. After convincing him that she's having twins and will give them both to him if he saves their struggling crops, he skims the new contract and signs it with a secretly enchanted quill. Only magic can capture him, but all magic comes with a price. The prince goes missing, not to return until Rumpelstiltskin gets that baby. Meanwhile, in Storybrooke, Emma tries to give a tough love pep talk to a pregnant troubled teen, which causes her to commit crime and assault as she steals something from Mr. Gold. Gold hires Emma to track her down for her own good and return his merchandise. Emma discovers that Ashley, the pregnant maid, has made a deal essentially selling her child to Mr. Gold. After an escape attempt and some heroic driving, Ashley gives birth to a healthy baby girl, and Emma agrees to owe Mr. Gold a favor, allowing Ashley to keep her child. Oh, and Regina gets some, I guess. Okay, so let's let's talk about it. Mads, you lead this week. Ah, uh, it's my week. It's your it's week. It's my week. This is my curse. Okay, I 
I do have to say that right off the top, I actually had good feelings about this episode because this intro is so much funnier than it has any right to be. Maybe it's like I'm twisted, but I literally forgot this entire episode. So my first watch when Mr. When Mr. Gold appears, you know, he just slays our second named black character. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Not was, even named. She's I, the fairy god. I was watching this episode with my husband and I literally said, <clears throat> oh, look. Our second black character. And she's gone. Oh. <laughs> he just oh, like, exploded her. I, I lost it when he detonated the fairy. I was like, this is dark of me, but was, it's a good opening. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that the wand is going to come into play again later. It's been almost 10 years since I saw the, this season. so Yes, it does. Yeah. The, the wand is supposed to be like evil. It's, it is pure magic. Pure evil. Because magic is inherently evil. Because all all of it comes with a price. Yeah. Anywho, uh, I do have to say, I, I there were some things, again, I liked about this opening scene. I thought it was a good opener. Okay, we're going to twist it. Um, we're blending. Um, it's a not, mashup. Okay. We're, we're going to blend Cinderella and the story of Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, we'll see how it goes. I liked his alligator leather jacket and the uh this like ombre i like this like he had this nice like magenta undershirt i was like i would wear this nice to see him in his natural habitat not in jail not in jail i also love the sight gag of him like turning around and squatting down to have her sign it on his back there's something about that that always cracks me up i think it's uh growing up as a kid and watching the uh rolled doll Matilda adaptation with uh, Mara Wilson. <laughs> Baby Mara Wilson. <laughs> it's Mara Wilson, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. When the parents sign the adoption papers in the parking lot on, the, on on her back, I just... So anytime that happens in a scene, it cracks me up. So I really enjoyed <laughs> that about this scene. I feel like this is the first time they really underline it. It's essentially his catchphrase. We, we established it with the queen. All magic comes at a price. But... Mr. Gold, Rumpelstiltskin, they really want us to know that this is a part of the thesis of the show at this stage. That's why That's why, That's why. why he likes magic so much. Because it comes yeah. with a price and it goes with his chaotic, but not quite super chaotic. He has rules. Yeah. Nature. He has his own set of things. Uh, so we're going to continue like we did last episode. We're going to just like follow this storyline because this episode is a little chaotic in and of itself. One of my major issues with it is that we see this scene and then we go away for like 20 minutes, come back to it for a split second, leave again, and then it's only the last 15 minutes of the episode where they really try and blend the stories and it's frenetic. It's it's really disorganized and I, I felt like this was a very uneven episode after what we got last week. I just want to say something about uh, our first opening shot of Cinderella. At least she's got some nice looking supportive shoes on. Like her, they're supposed to look messy. They look like off-brand Toms <laughs> with like a comfortable rubber sole on them. So yeah. so at least they're they're letting her stand in comfort. Uh, I was expecting her to be barefoot, but they let this nice lady wear shoes. Yeah. Now the glass slippers... Obviously plastic on camera, but that's fine. You can't wear glass shoes. Yeah, they didn't even make a big deal out of it. He's like, eh, every every story needs its its little thing. Every know? story needs a memorable detail. And I was like, okay, I like yeah, that's that. Fine. And then we never hear about the shoes again. We see them again, but we never yeah. hear about them again. We get some nice foley as she slips the shoes on. I'm like, okay. They clink a little. It's nice. Yeah, do a little clink. And the next time we see Cinderella, 
She's wearing way too much bronzer. Oh my gosh. Girl, she is so orange. Girl, look how... <laughs> look how orange you look. Girl, look how orange you look, girl. No, but seriously, I feel like... Okay, we're recording this episode on November 8th, 2020. And at this stage, I feel like between the last four years of our lives and... This episode, this shade of bronzer should be discontinued. I mean, it was 2011. Bronzer was a big thing. Bronzer was given to me so much. Look at me. Look how <laughs> look how pale I am. Everyone was like, have you tried bronzer? And I'm like, no, it looks fake on me. I don't it, know how to apply it. Elaine's base is my highlight. Yeah. It's true. I mean, you your base as a highlight. I have once, I have at some point in my life been called a sickly shade of pale. And I've... I've you know, I'm a big old goth trans, so I wear extra pale makeup. So, now, But to go back, it makes sense that Cinderella has a tan. She's kept like a peasant. She's a working girl. She's outside more. She has a tan. But her makeup doesn't match her very well. And it makes me very sad because she's a very pretty yeah. girl. She's very pretty. Yeah. But she's so orange. It's so thick. It's like they didn't powder her down right or something. It's sort of the opposite of uh, what, what's her act? What's the actress' name? Terry Hatcher. Yes. When when we were watching um, Desperate Housewives, and she was so tan, and then they would put this incredibly pale makeup on her right. face, and I'm like, stop it! I am. Glad- that is Lois Lane. <laughs> I am glad that she didn't have like the line. Like they did blend it down nicely yeah. uh, into her décolletage. Yes. Uh, and her costumes are beautiful. We don't have any crazy Claire's jewelry going on. We did for the uh, the fairy who was there oh. for eight seconds. Well, the fairy, yeah. Well, I didn't have time to make note of that. Oh, yeah. They exploded her. <laughs> uh, this, whenever we see her uh, coming down the stairs at their wedding, like the next thing we, we see her get into her stuff and then she's married. They once again do my favorite opening shot. Legs coming down the stairs legally. Legs entering legally. And they show that she's got a hoop skirt on with no petticoats whatsoever. They like it's an upskirt shot. It felt wrong. <laughs> but they wanted to show, oh look, by the way, glass slippers. She's wearing them on her wedding she's day. Still wearing her glass slippers. She got her glass slippers on. Yay. And with- this scene is kind of nice. They show Snow is there. Mm-hmm. They show So it's post their wedding. Yes, it's post their wedding. We've got James and Snow. We've got Charming and Snow. They call him James in this scene. They call him James. Um, The choreography in this scene is good for what has to happen. And and again, it's a well-filmed scene, even though there's a lot of problems with we jumped forward in a big way. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Luther Luther is my husband. Luther and I both cringed when she goes to dance with her new father-in-law. And he immediately is like, I can't wait till you make our family bigger. Oh, God, I wrote that note. I was like, okay, I joked about this with Elaine at her wedding because I'm just like, hey, when am I going to be an aunt? But for real, way too soon. And you're like, you're, you're not my dad. dad. I'm not your dad. I'm not your father-in-law. <laughs> I probably won't get that question at my wedding. No, my mother will. She's already oh, been doing it. You're going to say, well, oh, you haven't met the cats? <laughs> yeah. It, Mom, if you're listening to this, you have five grand cats already. Be happy with that. <laughs> Maybe you should visit them more. You should visit them. Well, it's <laughs> 2020. Kidding. No, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> they write. We Skype. I show her the cats. She hates it. Awesome. Anywho, <laughs> back, to, back to this. I also wanted to point out, I thought that the way they blended CGI extras and actual extras was really well done. This scene I was, was like, pretty. This is one of the better CGI set 
scenes of the show because I was looking at it and I was like, this looks believable, which is a rare occurrence for some of the CGI sets, especially after we had, you know, Queen Regina in her castle where, you know, we have a table and a mirror hanging on a fishing line. And that's all that's here. And a green screen. (laughs) Green screen. Yeah. Everyone looks so nice. Uh, None of the women's dresses are like era appropriate, which is sort of because it's fantasy world and it's fine. There is no real era. But like there's no real sleeves. There are no sleeves or straps whatsoever. But it all still looks so nice and believable. And everyone's poor bosoms are just squished. Since we're bringing up era appropriate, I'm going to say it now. I have this in my notes for later, but all princes have clipper cuts. Oh, geez. Oh, it's true. It's 2011, so everyone has a clipper cut. When when does the enchanted forest happen? Because where are you getting these clippers to give all these men this very modern haircut? The women get wigs of questionable quality, but... They do look, have wigs. I'm going to say this. Snow's wig looked good in this scene. Snow's wig her, looked her good in this scene. Her hair was smooth and pretty, and her little updo was it, flawless. She had the little bitty curls at the back. I it had, looked very natural. I had nothing bad to say about Snow's wig this episode. And as much as we drag the wigs on the show, they're still better than season one of Game of Thrones. And Twilight. We don't speak of the. <laughs> I do. I do speak of Twilight. Okay, so cutting forward, suddenly... Rumpelstiltskin is there and her immediate reaction to me stuck out because okay we got the villain music she looks terrified there is nothing well I guess exploding a fairy but mostly there is nothing at this point to justify her having this horrified reaction and to me this is when the episode starts to fall apart well he came out of nowhere and no one else could see him was the impression I got I was just um, like, also, okay, magic. Also, gold on gold. I wasn't feeling the gold on the gold on the gold. Yeah, he should have had like... That jacket was not right. No. He should have had something that was more like green with gold accents yeah. or, or red. Something to set him I off. I love and him really, in green because yeah. he's, he's jealous of what other people have. I love him in green for the subtext. He's green with envy. All the time. That, that's a much later season. There's, well, I was going to say it's a much later later plot point. That's a later plot point, dearie. Lol, lol, lol. That's why whenever you said the crocodile jacket, I went, mm. Yeah. <laughs> it, seriously, it, it's like, I feel like this scene would have been stronger had she been initially comfortable. Like, oh, yeah, you know, what do you want? My jewels, my ring? We're good. I'm happy. This is the best day of my life. But no, she starts it at... You know, like a seven of fear and there's nowhere to go. And so it undermines the whole stakes of his reveal of anyone who's read the story knows he wants the firstborn. But it undermines the stakes of that uh, reveal in the episode because it just happens. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we we saw that coming. There's not enough of of a shift for her reaction to really carry over. And so I was like, okay, this is when I start to really get down on this episode and it's a sign of things to come so she's very upset by this information because she thought oh he's gonna want like money yeah he's gonna want money or jewels or my wedding ring take the wedding ring i'll, yeah. I'll lose the wedding ring it's keep fine. your bubbles <sighs> good word <laughs> i just like got super distracted looking at elaine right now because she doesn't have bangs oh sorry and i was like Whoa! I had I've moved my bangs over to the side. <laughs> we all know that all the women in in this show, their hair is compared to mine. Yes. So 
And it's unfavorable most of the time. Elaine has the best hair. I just pulled it down and now it's so pretty and smells like shampoo because it's clean today. I'm in super ADD mode because I've been binge watching Supergirl and in season four she got pants and bangs. Ooh. And I'm like, yes, no. Didn't like the bangs on her? They don't work on Melissa ben- Benoit. Literally, the next scene is her <laughs> packing. And we're like, oh, oh, she's back. She's getting out of here. No, time has passed. We haven't expressed that time has passed. We haven't seen legs moving down uh, a walkway, so we don't know time has passed. But time has passed. She is now pregnant. And she was trying to sneak out of the castle while her husband was on a hunting trip. Girl, we've all been there. I haven't. Really? Yeah. Not hunters. Oh. I, I went through a phase where I dated Republicans. More a fisherman. Uh, fair. No, fishing is fun. I love fishing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get back to the prince's awful clipper cut. It uh, looks so bad. Look, none of the none of the handsome princes in this show have good haircuts. And it is awful. I couldn't... Whenever I watched this episode for the first time last night, first time since the first time, I just kept staring at how bad his hair was. I couldn't get past... Like, I love... I appreciate that the character of prince thomas truly loves his wife he doesn't care how she ended up at the ball he doesn't care how all this happened he truly loves his wife and i appreciate that but your haircut is so bad boy i also feel like i know it's the olden timey days and i know that cinderella's actor's character is supposed to be 19 but this prince i'm gonna need to see some id (laughs) he is a baby Maybe it's just like where, supposed to be. where I'm at at this point in my life. But I'm looking at this man. I'm like, that's a baby. That baby got married and it's going to be a dad. That should not be legal. Even in the olden timey days. Well, I know he's at least over whatever the certain age is for um, in Hollywood for him to film the right amount of hours. So we got that. Yeah. But I'm just like, this dude looks like. He's supposed to be a teenager. I know. I was just like. It's nice when they have people playing teenagers who look like teenagers. Vichia. Seconds but, later, but, pregnant so, and packing. He, he walks in, he finds them. She confesses that she's trying to get out of Dodge because she's pregnant. He's like, yay. And she's like, no. No, that's bad because I, I did a bad thing. He's like, that's okay. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to we're just gonna modify the deal. We're going to modify the deal together. And modifying the deal becomes, we're going to modify the deal. Oh, and it's also a trap. That's yeah. escalation. That felt inorganic. And speaking of inorganic, the very next scene in this world is not connected to anything. We're now in this uh, underground mine. Yes. Uh, James is there. He's telling us that we're going to trap... Leroy's there. Leroy's there. Sorry. Grumpy. He's grumpy. Uh, Grumpy and James are there. We're talking about how we are going to trap him. We have this quill that the Blue Fairy who we have not seen at this point in the show, enchanted it, it's magic, blah, 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 blah. We're going to do all this. They show the cage, the 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 cage, the cage, what's it called? The jail cell. The jail cell that Rumpelstiltskin is trapped in in the very first episode. They show that. It's in one of the dwarves' minds, and a lot of dwarf blood has been spilled for that. I was like, what a weird thing to say. It's real rude. It's a really weird thing to he say. He said it to her so accusingly. Yeah. Did they build it for her? They might have because time has passed. Time has passed. Okay, you built it for her and they established that Rumpelstiltskin is a problem that needs to be solved. So He's I a guess menace. 
The ends are justifying the means here. But at the same time, I am so put off by this line. Well, he's grumpy. But eh. I know, it can't, like, his sudden animosity towards her caught me off guard. There were so many deliveries I didn't understand in this show. And also in this episode particularly. Yeah. But at, at in episode four of this show, were we really looking for the backstory on Rumpelstiltskin's cage? Well, it didn't get cut, so they might have cut something that was even less important. Yeah, yeah. it's not like we got a backstory in Emma's jacket. Okay, so... so You like blue. I like the blue jacket. We'll come to that later. We'll get to that. We'll come to that later. <laughs> but yeah. I'm just... It's... We get the MacGuffin quill and a plan to trap. And then we have the- this problem. This problem that comes in in this next scene is that the actress who plays Cinderella is a great actress. Cinderella is not a great actress. Yeah. The actress playing her is great, but Cinderella herself is just nervous and not convincing. And and so she she makes up this whole story. It's like, we need to modify the deal. I'm having twins. And Rumpel's like, oh. Oh, he's he is a high point in any episode he's in because he's such a creep. Like the little, and he like goes in to touch her stomach. And I'm just like, don't uh, touch me. <laughs> it's so creepy. I know. I, I like pulled back. I recoiled for that as well. It was beautiful. Um, he like goes here, and I'm like, Ugh. And, and she's like, I'm assuming you want both. And he's like, Oh, and she's like, So here's the deal. Uh, our crops are failing, and our kingdom is poor, and we need you to fix that for the good of the kingdom. So I'll give you both babies if you do that. And she whips out a contract, yeah. and he's like, Yes. <laughs> my my jailbait husband is having a hard time. We, we really just, yeah, here, take the other kid. Yeah, she holds that contract, and there's some back and forth. But at one point, she holds up the contract, and he makes this this noise that, I don't know if I could do It's just like, <laughs> and I'm just like, Ooh. I have to give him props for this. He actually skimmed that. He actually looked over it real quick before she pulled out the quill. He actually tried to read it. Uh, but that wasn't where the trick was. The trick wasn't in the contract. Then he immediately starts questioning the quill and she does not hide it very well. No. Like the fact that he signed this and didn't just take out his own pen. Yeah. Is a big sticker. Cause he, but he also has been saying the whole time, okay, you sure this quill is just from your house? I th- like, I feel like he knows. Uh, because- some, yeah. Oh, he wants to, he wants the, the bad thing will happen. Because one, the bad thing will happen, and two, this puts him in the position to do even more damage. Yes, because he says that. Yeah, the very after after the contract is signed and he's frozen, and then car- begins to be carted away, we have kiss induced labor. <laughs> but she it's doesn't go into labor. labor. She doesn't go into labor. She's too early for that. They even say she, you're too early. Yeah, she just has some. She has some spasms. She has some cramps. She needs to sit down. Hus- sweet, dear sweet jailbait husband runs off to the nearest well in the forest to get her some water. The brushes rustle, and then we shoot back to her. The pain has gone away, and she tries to call him back, but he's not there. And it's because his cape is randomly on the well, and he's nowhere to be seen. And she runs to the cage where he is and ignores James and ignores whoever else is there. Is like, what did you do? He was like, I got a good alibi. It's like they needed something to be on that well. To tell us that something happened to him. So they're like, I guess we'll unspool his cape and just set it delicately here. 
Because what else is his distinguishing feature? He wasn't wearing a hat, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to leave a, a pair of uh, clippers just like on the edge. They could have just given him a hat. That would have solved so many problems with his hair. With the hair and then hats mm. on the ground. Hats on the Boom. ground. Done. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a neatly folded piece of silk. And I'm like, oh, look at that it's, big old jewel in like there. It's like crushed velvet. Yeah. It's like crushed velvet. And so she confronts him and he says, well, I guess you won't see him again because all magic comes with a price. So you won't see him again until I get that baby. I have a I have a classical question. Sure. Why firstborn babies? Because firstborn babies have uh, the lineage and there's the patriarchal dynasties. It's a presumption that the first child... I mean, it's going to be a boy. But why does Rumpelstiltskin want... Well, oh, oh, that's a note I had. But because, first, let me finish this. Why does Rumpelstiltskin want babies so bad? I think in this case, for me in this story, the firstborn is expected to be a male and therefore the heir to the kingdom. So that's an incredible amount of power. He literally has the king at it, that point. I, I guess it's also his like little gotcha because whenever you think of the, mo- the most precious thing to you, you don't think he's actually going to take your kid. And when we learn more about his backstory, he's got issues with kids. Here's another sweet note I had for sweet jailbait Prince Thomas. <laughs> he says, I, I picked out a name for her. Her name yeah. is Alexandra. And Cinderella, hate they call her Ella, hates this name. She says that name is a jail sentence. It's terrible. But he already expects their first child to be a girl. And I found that very sweet, considering what we were just talking about. Exactly. And Alexander now, comes back later. Yeah, and at the end of the scene, though, this is the thing that like sticks out for me about Rumpelstiltskin and why maybe he wants to be there. Because he says, in this world or the next. He keeps saying in this world or the next. Yeah. He says it a lot. It feels like he is making sure that he's putting all the pieces in order mm-hmm. for the Dark Curse to be enacted. He already knows the Dark Curse is out there. He gave yeah. it to someone who gave it to someone who, you know. Yeah. It hasn't been gotten, it may have been gotten back. Oh, it has been gotten back yet because the wedding's already happened. Yep. Aha, I know where we are now. Yep. And he knows it's out there. So, yeah, it's him setting himself up. He's he's good and set. And that is where that story ends. Not as good of a fairy tale as last week's cute little concise no fairy tale. It's unlike last week, which proceeded at a good pace. The beginning and end were very clear. The stakes were present throughout. This one was wishy-washy and uneven. And by the end of this scene, like what we just talked about, it was a little disjointed. But that's about five separate scenes that are intercut with the end of this episode. And it's just weird. And I know that... You said you don't have really an issue with not seeing what happened to the prince. I take issue with it. I'm like, where did Thomas go? I, I, for the way they set it up, they didn't want us to know what happened to him. The yeah. way it's set up, they want it to be a big question. Uh, unfortunately. There are no stakes, so don't, we don't really care. If they had carried over that he was still missing in the Storybrook storyline, it would have made more sense to me. But he's not. But he's not, because here we go to Storybrooke. So, in Storybrooke, our first scene in Storybrooke is Emma walking Henry to the school bus. And just a side note, how the mayor, the mayor who has all this other stuff, lacks the pull to make sure there's a bus stop kind of near her house is weird to me. Like, it's so that we can have this scene, but at the same time, like, so your 10-year-old just has to wander downtown from your neighborhood. And she doesn't walk him. And she doesn't walk him. 
And I mean, for someone who really doesn't want her son who disobeys a lot to not see this woman, she sure gives him a lot of opportunities to be alone. Yeah. And that, that comes into, we'll get, we'll get yeah, there. We'll, we'll, talk we'll about get there. It. Oh, I'm so mad about it. Henry asked about code names. Do we need code names? You know? And Emma's like, oh, well, I thought we, you know, we had Operation, Ooh, Operation Cobra. Cobra. We don't need code names. And he's like, no, we still need code names. And uh, he's she's, ten. It's cute. Yeah, it's to me. It's very clear that he's asking, "What should I call you?" Mm-hmm. I know you're not comfortable with me calling you like mom, but what should I call you? And she, she Emma. says, "Emma." Just Emma. Okay. He thinks that's lame. You can tell by his ten year old face. Yeah, I oh. think over the course of this episode, he realizes that why and mm-hmm. how she's not comfortable with it, and that part of the story is really sweet to me. Mm-hmm. It's a little buried under yeah. everything else. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, this actually could have been telegraphed more, which is a thing I will rarely say about this show. <laughs> but it's something that I thought was fairly well executed. I, I remember when this scene opened, uh, Luther looked at me and he was like, did they replace the kid? Because Henry has already aged so much since the pilot episode. That's what 10 year olds do. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's still him. He's just, uh, it's just been a couple months, I guess. Yeah. And he's like. Couldn't believe it was the same kid. It was yeah, great. he looks different. They try to get the same haircut, but this looks like a different kid. He <laughs> looks like how I kind of remember young Henry on this show. And I'm like, okay. As soon as Henry gets on that bus, we get Graham using police resources to flirt. <laughs> well, which, he's also trying to hire her. Yeah. Which is great because they got dental. They do have dental. When he said dental, I was like, oh, hell, I'll be a class trader. I mean, <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. Sometimes the leftism leaks out. <laughs> we quickly advance through. She, he talks about how, hey, maybe you need to set up some roots here. And this episode is seems maybe at this point like it's about Emma maybe setting up roots. Because they say it in every every scene with Emma. Yeah, every every episode up to this point, it's very clear what the deal is with it. But at this stage, we're kind of talking about roots, and we're we've done some of this side plot with Cinderella. It's it's really not clear what the plot of this episode is going to be right. at this stage, and it's another thing where I'm like, why is this episode like this? I am so glad when Regina walks in while Emma's having her morning cocoa and establishes, I'm not worried anymore. I'm like, thank God. I'm not worried anymore because remember how two episodes ago we did that that newspaper article about you? I'm finally going to tell you that I, I know that you don't stick around very much. This is two episodes ago's information brought to the table now. Okay, cool. <laughs> at, at this point, I'm just happy that Four or five times per episode. Now we don't have to have Regina forbidding Henry from seeing him anymore. She still does it. She still does it in the next scene. She does it in the next scene. She's lying. She's just trying to pull up this brave facade. And she's lying because she's still so nervous about it. The woman. She's she's a villain. She's a villain. Um, You know who else is a villain? The um, the poor director who keeps making Ruby bend over tables so the cameraman can get a close up of her butt. Uh, I don't feel sorry for that director <laughs> at all. That director sorry. belongs in horny jail. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I'm a big believer in police abolition, so I think that we need to get a horny social worker to intervene and discuss things with this director so that he can enter a, a horny recovery program and learn to be less horny. Look, I rudely picked on the length of Ruby's shorts last time. I'm not going to do that this time because girls got good legs, but man, they love filming her butt as she leans over tables, and I guess I get it. Are you coming forward as an ass man? I thought you were a legs man. I'm a legs man, which is why I'm okay with the short shorts. But it is, it's like... She's got a good butt, though. What's with this small town diner? <laughs> and then she's in, like, short shorts. Well, I mean, if I guess if she's the only worker and she's related to the owner, she can't really give her a dress code. Anywho, Emma gets up from the table and does what is the absolute worst accidental spilling of a drink I had ever seen on film. Because whenever she bumped the table, it should have fallen away, but she also managed to put her hands in front of it, so... She literally gets up and, like, flips it onto herself. Which, it is something that would happen to me in real life. I would do it. I would do that, and it would look like I did it intentionally, but I'm just clumsy. But it looks so awkward on film. (laughs) I mean, have her get up and Regina bumps her. Have... Someone knocked the table. In this case, she was getting up to follow Regina to say something, and this stopped her. It's just... It's not good. It wasn't. It was was just a way to get her into the laundry room of the diner. The laundry room. B&B. I I will say, I'm rooting for Emma. Um, We now have stolen our second shirt. She stole a shirt. Just casual, just like, like, this is mine now. I'll take it. Because she still doesn't have her stuff. From her apartment in Boston. So she really only has this one shirt. Okay, so... so We're so ADD. So she's, she's in the laundry room. She's stealing a shirt so that she's not just hanging out in her bra in the laundry room. And there's this crying person who just turned sheets pink who immediately dumps all of her problems without any invitation onto the closest person who is Emma. She's 19 and we've all worked with this girl in retail. She's... Not only is she, she turned the sheets pink, she can't do anything. She's wearing an apron, which is how we know she's a maid. Um, This is every hostess I've ever worked with in any restaurant I've ever worked in. I have possibly been this girl before whenever I've been really upset. It's fair. Yeah, I'm this girl 3 a.m. drunk. (laughs) So she's expressed that she's pregnant. She's very pregnant. This girl is very, very pregnant. It's that big old, it's the watermelon belly that they put on skinny girls. I, I have seen people who look fake pregnant when they're real pregnant. And so I believe that was believable. I didn't have a problem with the pregnancy belly on this. You know, didn't have a pregnant, pregnant, didn't have a pregnant with any of that. Emma gives one of her, um, eight motivational speeches of this episode. Angriest motivational speech ever. Oh Cause God. she's not, ha- she's not in the mood to do this. She's just a good person. And this person is in trouble. And it sounds familiar to her because she was 18 when she was pregnant and everyone thought she couldn't do it either, but she made a choice. She stuck to her choice. Yeah, when she said she was 18 when she was pregnant, I started doing math in my head because she they established that Henry is 10 years old on her 28th birthday. So I'm like, wouldn't she have had to be 17 when she gave birth to well, Henry? Well, it depends on how close their birthdays are to each other because you get to that point in the year where you're just practically 18. Yeah. You're just practically the next age. So it may have just been close. So it's just the contract they used for that prince to get married? 
Yes. He was practically 18. <laughs> so she gives her a pep talk that if you want to change your life, you want to change people's opinions of you, you, you have to do it yourself. No one's going to do it for you. Just suck it up and do it. Make a decision and stick to it. This has no negative consequences whatsoever. So our next shot, she's breaking into Mr. Gold's pawn shop to steal something. And uh, he comes in and catches her. Her name's Ashley, by the way. Ashley? Cinderella. Cinder. Oh, that's oh. so clever. Look at them. Ah. I actually I actually really appreciated that joke. I actually slapped my husband on the leg several times. I was like, her name's Ashley. Get it? <laughs> Get it? He finally just told me to shut up. <laughs> so, so Ashley does some uh, some mild assault after a little B&E. She maced him. And he fell and hit his head on one of his shop things. And she's like, oh, well, I guess then I can take this key. And then she unlocks the safe. That she found under the very first picture frame she moved because she... She must have known where that was. She's been casing the joint. Um, And takes off. Mr. Gold is unconscious on the floor. She leaves with something. Next morning, Emma is sitting in... Oh. Oh, oh. Oh, I need to give a uh, a moment of recognition to these Annabelle-ass dolls that are sitting in Mr. Gold's shop, which we'll get backstory on in eight seasons. But... Boo, these things are creepy. They were, they were, I, I, until you mentioned them, I forgot they were there because they are creepy. Also, the only interesting thing, factoid I could find about this episode, uh, there's a, the little unicorn that they show is from Emma's mobile when she was a baby in the first episode. Aww. Right? I thought that was really cute. That's really cute. That's like a neat detail. Also really creepy that he has it. Well... Well, he's creepy. That's who he that's who he is. So our next scene, we got Regina telling Henry, Don't leave the house. <laughs> I'm going to a Saturday council meeting that is going to last from whatever early time of morning this is until five PM sharp. Which okay. What are your rules? Don't leave the house. Do your homework. No TV. What ten year old? Is going to be left alone and listen to any of those rules. You would you wouldn't have watched TV. I was so lame. I was. I was such a good kid. I was such a goody two shoes, and even I still would have watched TV. I the first time I got a B on an assignment. This wasn't even a B for like the year or on a semester. The first time I got a B on an assignment, I cried. I was inconsolable. So I can see the kid that Regina wants following this, but Henry isn't going to do that. But here's the thing. How long has Regina had this child? And she's she's still not getting him a babysitter? If she had a babysitter, most of her current problems would be different problems. Yes. Big time. But but she'd have someone else to blame for it, who wasn't just herself, for leaving a 10-year-old who has a habit of sneaking off to go see his birth mother alone all the time. Because as soon as she leaves, and she like peels out of that driveway, you hear it. It's as, a choice. As soon as she leaves, he grabs his stuff and he gets out of there. He's not a good latchkey kid. <sighs> you know, like, we. I was a good latchkey kid. We had too- nothing to do. So I stayed at home. I read A Wrinkle in Time for the 80th time. And uh, I did my my stuff. Like, I read my books, but I also had the TV guide memorized. Oh, we didn't didn't really have... So, backstory about Mads. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in a town of 3,000 people in rural Texas. So, the only way we could actually get, like, 
TV TV was either on the antenna or your parents had to have the money to get a satellite dish, which when I got older, we got one. But the weather and being so rural, it worked about like 60% of the time. So it's like we didn't really watch a lot of TV. Instead, it was... I'll get on my computer, I'll use my 56k dial-up, and I'll play Diablo 2, or I will set my computer up to download tons of objects for The Sims 1, which will take literally hours on that dial-up, and I'll go read a book. Like, there was no TV. (laughs) Oh, we still had TV. And I still managed to read, but that's because I wasn't sleeping, so... It was like, I would watch the episode of Buffy... That was on that week, and I watched the episode of Angel that was on that week, and that was it. That was all I had. There you go. And we liked it. (laughs) But instead, this child just runs away to go hang out with his birth mother. Yeah. She's, which is like, he could run, he could leave the house and have done anything else, and she'd have been mad that he left the house, but she'd have been like, well, at least you weren't hanging out with Emma. But that's what he does. This is the one thing. So, of course, it's the thing he wants to do most. I mean, the second she pulls out that driveway. Like, and they even did, like, a squealing tire. She is ready to get to that council meeting. She is excited about civics. Yeah, she's, she really needs to. Civics. (laughs) So, now we we get to Mary Margaret's house. We get to Mary Margaret's house. Emma's unpacking her stuff. And we need to talk about. She had it shipped to her from Boston, which was a question I had last week. So, that's why I want to bring up. The question I had last week was, does she own her place? She must have money. And she had all of her stuff shipped to her, and it's like two or three boxes. It's That apartment was empty, but it didn't feel like it was that empty. She didn't own the furniture. Yeah, I it guess was it was pre- all... It was pre-furnished. Pre-furnished. Oh, that's like a thing. That's it? a thing. Pre-furnished apartment, which would make sense because she's the type who had seven addresses in 10 years. She yeah. moved a lot. So okay. she doesn't have furniture. Um, but this is real exciting for all of us because it means she gets a new wardrobe. Hey! hey! She has her own clothes. Also, another nice little detail. You can see her baby blanket Aww. that the granny knit in that first episode. You can see her Emma blanket in one of the boxes. I love that. I love I that. She, to, can, yeah. she is sentimental. Look at her. Look at you. I found that one in the uh, the show notes. I was like, oh, that's like a good set piece. Good, good to have that. Mr. Gold arrives with a gig. Snow excuses herself to go jump in the in, bath. In like the I'm worst... Not, Getting in the, yeah. the worst improv game segue to leave a scene ever is, you know, whenever we have a game, entrances and exits, where before you can leave the game, you have to make some excuse for why you're leaving. And she like straight up goes, I'm gonna uh, go jump in the bath and like leaves. And I was like, that is such an improviser way to leave a scene. But I'm not, I'm not taking my clothes off with this man in my house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, that's an awkward thing to do. You could just go. Anywhere else. Oh, wait, no, it's a big open floor plan. The bathroom is the only closed door. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen those frosted glass windows for that bathroom. Oh. Yeah, that, I'm not, no, not with this man in my house. Not with this man. He's so oily looking. I'm going to go around the corner and get a cup of coffee. A cup of cocoa She didn't want to leave cinnamon. him alone. She didn't want to leave, leave her alone. With she's him. a good friend. Yeah, she's a good friend. She wanted to make sure she was still there. Ugh. She's a good friend, sister mom. So... She accepts this because of her discretion and because, hey. He, he needs he needs to find this poor girl for her own good and because she took something of his. Look, she assaulted me. I have this cut on my head. Yeah. I'm still bleeding from it. And I think she feels responsible. Because she knows where that pep talk came from. Because he said, she said something about changing her life. I don't know where it came from. It's very unlike her. So after this, Henry comes in and it's- That's, a good, that's a good scene. It's one of the best lines of the episode, which is- uh. 
do you know who he is? Yeah, of course I do. Who? Really? Because I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I'm like, ah! I, I laughed at that. That's, I did too. That's I wrote, I actually, that's one of the few quotes I have written down. I did everything voice to text this week, which is why you don't hear as much paper. We also get Bizarro Emma after this in a blue jacket. Look, I was so excited for new wardrobe. Blue jacket, white, red shirt. Like, I was excited for her to have her clothes back because whenever you're limited to like two things, it's terrible. Going on vacation and not bringing enough clothes, it's awful. Because only having one jacket, that's the worst curse of all. (laughs) So we we roll forward. Henry wants to spend time with Emma, and that's why he's tagging along all day. So he follows her through the rest of the episode. We go to the diner. Even when she says go home, he still just hides in the backseat of the car. Yeah. Which, that's a big, big problem. It's a huge problem. Because she was about to cross state lines <laughs> with a child that is not hers. Yeah. So we, we have met, we have at this point, we get to meet ex-boyfriend, fa- baby daddy. We get to meet the baby daddy of this. And he is also a teenager who lives with his father in a very nice house. And it's his father's fault that they have broken up. And his father is the douchiest person since Dr. Phil Collins. I don't see why he should have to suffer for one mistake. It's like, why should she? You know, the classic, classic whataboutism for this. Him as father-in-law in in the, the fairy tale land. He was so sweet and loving. And in this one, the curse has him just being this like awful controlling... Uh, my son's future is more important. Let's talk about then- what's wrong with men. Yeah. Yeah. We do need to oh, highlight ooh. Ruby's eye makeup. Okay. It's important. Okay. It's Her eye good. makeup is so it's- damn good and I wish I could do the same. It's very good. But we also need to highlight that the father is the one who arranged the deal that essentially sold the baby to Mr. Gold. We're skipping some stuff, but I mean, we see Ruby's car and her wolf ornament that looks just like Emma's glass wolf ornament. They hit a sale for that and the Emma ornament. The same enchanted glass blower made them in the back. Oh, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. You get one glass blower friend, you just buy everything, gift everyone. But going to meet the douchey dad served the purpose of giving Ashley just a little bit of a head start to to try and leave with Ruby's car. Well, that was Ruby's intention. That's why yeah, she... Yeah, that was her intention. That was the whole plan. Henry pops up from the back seat and is... He had gone to hide in Emma's back mm-hmm. seat. Again, this episode is wonky. He'd gone to hide in Emma's back seat and he's like, ah, we gotta go. We gotta... And, and here's the thing. This is also where he establishes... Well, it's already been established that he knows that Emma's the only one who can leave this town safely. Yes. Any, again, anyone else who tries, they're not going to be able to. Emma's really the only one who can leave. And so we, she's rushing. She agrees not to drive him home because she needs the lead time to catch up with her and finds Ruby's car wrecked right before the exit of town sign. Not the same one. Not the the, one she hit. Yeah. The the now not so historic Storybrook sign. And they have a good shot in this. And I appreciated the way the shot was where she runs up to the car and the car is empty, which gives you a split second wondering of if she disappeared when she crossed the boundary. But then you actually hear a moan and she's off on the side of the road because she's about to give birth. I do enjoy the scene of Emma driving her to the hospital. And she's like, we don't have four hours to drive you to Boston, honey. This is is happening. (laughs) Which is, that was a really short labor because Henry still got home by five. Henry still got (laughs) home by, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. 
Another thing I didn't think about. Okay, so time has been frozen. How long has this poor girl been pregnant? Has she been pregnant for 28 years? That's all I I wondered is like, how long has this poor girl been pregnant? And now that time's moving, she's finally giving birth? Again, 28 years of pregnancy? That is the worst curse of all. That is a huge curse. Oh my God. God. Oh man. I will say, I I saw it was really cute. You can't see my face right now, but I'm just like horrified. I'm going into a cute detail from the story. She has a little baby girl. She names her Alexandra. I love that. I love that she she hated the name in her past life, but it's the name she picked in this one. And ex-boyfriend comes in and gives a big old apology. He's away from his dad's wants and whims now. And he brings little slippers in and puts a little slipper on Alexandra's foot as a gift. And then they're back together. And this only happened because Emma made a deal with Mr. Gold. For a favor. For a favor. In place of taking the baby, Emma will owe him a favor in the future. I just thought it was this sweet thing where Ashley and Sean, who is Prince Thomas of bad hair. He looks like a Sean. He, they get their happy ending. The savior came and took their part of the curse away. And that's like the one good point I have from this whole story. Yeah. That's the one good thing from this whole story is the savior came in and saved someone's happy ending, which is the first time we see that. Yeah. Really happening. Yeah. And that's really nice. It shows that the show and the story is beginning to progress forward. Yes. It's it it shows that there's something to this thing of Henry's. And it's also um, Emma getting further embroiled in this world and this plot. I just wish that it had happened on a better fairy tale story. So So we we get a nice speech from Henry in the hospital waiting room about how Emma, you're the only one who can leave. You know, we talked about it a, a few times, but they really cemented here. And I felt like this is Henry telling her, you know what? Make a choice. Make a choice. He's been paying really close attention this whole time. And it's very astute for a 10-year-old. But he says, hey, make the choice. And when she goes to drop him off, he says, hey, remember how you said that I'm the only one that can leave? Mm -hmm. I'll see you tomorrow. That's real sweet. She gets him home just in the nick of time. And here's the thing. It's a good thing Regina uses the back driveway because that woman didn't even leave. She just pulled over to the other side of the road while Regina pulled into the backyard because they sh- Henry runs up the stairs, loses a shoe on, on the, the stairwell. The he, he runs up, loses a shoe on the stairway as he goes up and gets into his bed and read a book just in time. And here's my favorite Regina who raised... Oh, we skipped that whole thing. We skipped a whole thing. We're coming back to it because that's a... That's a thing we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. But we're going to finish this story, and then we're going to go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, she she comes in. She's like, Henry, how many times have I told you? And she opens the door, not to leave your shoes on the stairway. And then she takes the shoe and puts it sole down on the bed. Who raised you? She is- this, is, this is the most out-of-character moment in the history of Regina, is putting a shoe sole down on the bed. I've taken issue with, with, with Emma being on the bed. With her shoes earlier, mm-hmm. this is so gross to me. Shoes are <laughs> shoes are gross. They go outside. I saw that. Like she put it on the bed, and I was like, "Who raised you?" <laughs> uh, so, now I'm now looking let's... at our episode time. Do we have time for me to sing 
all of um, Cinderella's song from Into the Woods right now? No, but let's go back to why <laughs> Regina didn't get home till five. So she's floofing her hair and fixing her face. Zipping her, zipping her dress back up in uh, one of Granny's rooms in the B&B. Talking to someone about how she'll see him again next week at the city council meeting. Remember, you left your socks under the bed, which is a weird detail in general. They knew they wanted this that shot. They knew they had a shot set up and they didn't know how else to get it. She's like really happy and she's like, okay, I'll see you again same time next week at the city council meeting. Gotta Mm -hmm. get I told my son I'd be back by five. So uh council meetings probably last till what you think, three, four? I think council meeting is a code. I, I think, I think she... the whole day was Ooh. this. I think, remember, um, again, I'm trying not to get into politics too much, but remember that fake Liz Warren scandal from earlier <laughs> this year that she had some like marine rent boy that she was like a dominatrix for? And that was supposed to be a bad thing? I think that's about Regina. I think that that's canonically Regina. <laughs> Okay. I think that's how she lives her life, and good for so, her. So Emma, after Emma drops off Henry, she calls Graham to accept the job as a deputy, and she says, "Will Regina mind?" So, so she accepts the job. He promises her if Regina has a problem with it, he's the one who's in charge of hiring for the sheriff's department. It's not going to be an issue. And we cut to him pulling his socks out from under the bed. Boom, boom, boom. Without, boom. with his pants on and no shirt, which is not a bad shot. That's not bad at all. Um, getting himself back together after taking a shower. So as many problems as this episode had, I would be giving this in review. I would be, I would be giving this two out of five socks under the bed. However, just because ABC showed me a shirtless man, I am going to give it three out of five. Oh, there you go. I, I don't have a rating yet. I'm going to think about it while I say this. I was like, this gives, we just established that Regina is not mad at Emma for being there anymore. But having this Graham thing, when we keep talking about how Graham is flirting with Emma, that's her new thing to be jealous of. Mm-hmm. To establish, you know, this woman is coming here to take everything she holds dear. There are more problems yeah. that come into that later. Yeah, we'll talk about. Ooh, when that episode comes, oh, we're going to get so mad about it. Because all this stuff with, about it. All this stuff with Graham is like cute and funny right now, but then when we figure out the other side of it, it's like I'm so mad about it. Oh. It's the thing I've been ranting about since this show aired. I almost stopped watching it, but then I came back the next week. Look, this is controversial. It's kind of a hot take. But uh it's kind of a yucky. Yes. Okay, so this episode, I will hmm, I will give this episode I'll go with my real rating is two out of five. I'm going to go 2.5, 2.5 sock out of five socks under the bed. Two and a half socks under the bed. So one of them has like a hole in yes. the heel. Yes. But it, they're really cute socks on the. So yeah, the, the like top's real out. nice. So it's, yeah. yeah, you wear them, but you make sure you can't see it. Or yeah. you wear another pair of socks under it so the hole doesn't catch your toe. I'm going to give it 2.5 because I like that it moved the story along, but I just found myself being irritated a lot of this episode and it's not the actor's fault i found on my first watch of this that i was way more interested in my phone oh no and i had to keep reminding myself hey you need to be paying attention because you're watching this without taking notes so you remember and you don't miss stuff when you take notes 
And I was like, crap. I, I literally had to pause it a few times to go back because I just could not focus on this episode. I just, I don't know. There, there was something about this episode. It Maybe it's just coming off the high of last week. This episode didn't live up to the standards of the previous week. Yeah. And also that poor girl's makeup was so orange. But I do like that Girl. they let her have acne in her birthing room, which was the same room that uh, Coma Dude had been in. She was so orange. She was so orange. Poor girl. That's spray tan. They spray tanned her for the, the fairy tale scenes. That's what it was. All right. Uh, so best dress for this episode. Ooh. We didn't get a lot of uh, of our faves wearing new stuff, but personally, I had a very clear best dress for me. Okay. It was Stiltskin in his scene where he's being trapped. He was wearing that alligator coat again. He was also wearing this like weird toothy tool scarf thing that I loved. It, it's definitely, if you've seen my wardrobe or you go look at my pictures, it's something I would wear. Um, also, gotta give Robert Carlyle, Richard Car- Robert Carlyle, the actor, props for wearing leather pants at, I don't know how old that man is, but he's really, he looks good in a pair of leather he pants at his age. I will agree with you about Rumpelstiltskin being best dressed in this episode. I'm going to give next best dress to that little blue pretty nightgown that Cinderella was in when she was packing. I'm sorry. I have you didn't a hard like that disagree. One? I hated that. I don't know. That one stuck out to me. I just thought it was pretty and comfy looking. And I thought it was like a modern take on a classic fairy tale gown. I really didn't like the poofy poofy oh, yeah. shoulders. Well, that's that was, what I didn't that like. That was the Cinderella tie back. Because yeah. her Cinderella dress didn't have those. And I found myself missing those on her Cinderella dress. So when I saw them whenever she was in her room, I don't know. That's just a person. And it also looked comfortable. That was a personal like for me. So that's my next best dress. Yeah. I, you can disagree. That's that's fine. I feel bad because like if 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 Trixie Mattel was wearing that exact dress, I would be eating it up. But I think it was the combination of I I think I, it was the combination of that and the wig, where it just made her look too big in the shoulders and the head. That's fair. That it wasn't. It was not flattering. Okay. In, a, in an odd way. Well, we it made disagreed it look like about, a lollipop. We disagreed about that one Regina dress. So we're not going to yeah. agree on costumes all the time. No. Um, uh, my other my other next best dressed is Emma's blue jacket. It's another one where I was just like... I know you hate it. I love those. I don't I don't dislike the jacket. Mm-hmm. I dislike the jacket with the burgundy shirt. Oh, that's fair. No, I was just calling out the jacket. I wasn't yeah. calling out the rest of the outfit. I thought that the blue jacket with the red top and her blonde curls, it made her, it made her look like Supergirl. Fair. I mean, I liked it. That was her savior outfit. That was her yes. first savior outfit. That was her superhero outfit. Yes. And I I was there for it. Uh, I like those simple things. I want that blue jacket for myself. Fair. And I also want the little blue nighty, maybe with some less puffy sleeves. Fair. Mm. I'm spaghetti strap because it's a nighty. I want the I want the bell sleeves. I want the floaty bell sleeves. Fair. More seventies. <laughs> That's all the time we have this week. That's way of all the time we have. <laughs> you can find us at Storybroke Pod on Twitter. You can now find us on any podcasting app you're thinking of. Thank We're you, Apple. on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, The Works. So track us down and be sure to tell your friends about this because we can't do this show without your support. We're just two friends talking about a show we love and sometimes hate. A lot of times. <laughs> Love, hate. It's complicated. We're officially It's Complicated with Once Upon a Time. Yes. But, you know, this is all about us getting to talk about this with you. 
and share this with all of you. So, so thank you. We are going to do episode five next week and we tape on Sundays. So you're going to, and we release on Friday. So you're going to hear this Friday, which means you have exactly about 48 hours to tweet us and tell us your biggest gripe about episode five. Because we will absolutely be reading them on the show and sharing our thoughts too. And if you hear this after Sunday, text us your biggest gripe about episode six. And some of them we're going to agree or disagree, or maybe we haven't thought of them. We'll read a few of them on the show. Yeah, because spoilers, I, I already watched episode five and I have already got my notes ready. Oh, I didn't watch it yet. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I am Elaine. I'm Mads. And this has been Storybroke. Miserably Ever After. Where is Bebe?